Welcome to another edition of Hashtag Finance. Today I'm here with Omar Khan, VP of Public Affairs with H&K Hill and Knowlton. Omar, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, what do I do? So I am a, uh, I, I call myself a strategist. Um, I do work for a company called H&K Strategies, Hill and Knowlton Strategies. I'm a vice president uh, on our public affairs team there, but I also have a national mandate for business development and marketing. Uh, but apart from that, I'm, uh, I'm also vice president of engagement for the Ontario Liberal Party. Um, so I have been very politically involved and, you know, working in public affairs, uh, it is quite intertwined with political activity. Um, what does engagement mean? We want to make sure that party members have the ability uh, to interact with uh, party leadership, uh, to, to be able to share ideas, to be able to um, feel that their voice is being heard, both in terms of policy development, but also uh, granular operational decisions of, of the party. Uh, but also, you know, on a second track, it's about reaching out and making sure that uh, communities that perhaps have been underrepresented in politics uh, up until recently uh, feel that they have a place within our party. So we're talking about visible minorities, people from the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know, we want to be as we want to cast as diverse a net as possible. So you opened up the questioning for um, the Liberal Party, and they seem to have been in the news a little bit. A little bit. Um, I'm going to say three letters, SNC. <laughs> um, is, uh, what's, what's, what's going on, as much as you can talk yeah, about so, it? Yeah, so, you know, this is a it, – it's an unfortunate situation uh, because I think, um, I, I think all of the, the parties involved here uh, – were at least initially trying to do what they felt was in the best interests of, of Canadians. So you have on the one hand the, the former Attorney General uh, who made a decision, uh, as is her right as the Attorney General, mm-hmm. uh, not to ask the Director of Public Prosecutions to seek uh, what is known as a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. So for your listeners who don't know, SNC-Lavalin is a, is a fairly iconic Canadian company, iconic yet controversial Canadian company. Uh, they had allegedly been involved uh, in some, uh, you know, activities that questionable activities uh, in Libya uh, about uh, about a decade ago. Okay. Uh, since then, the, they 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 have had uh, a new leadership team put in place, uh, and and they have a they have a criminal prosecution proceeding uh, through the Canadian court system. Uh, for which if they are found guilty, they would be prohibited from seeking federal government contracts in Canada for a period of 10 years. So what the, what the disagreement, I guess, was between the former attorney general and the prime minister's office uh, was whether or not it might be appropriate uh, to explore a deferred prosecution agreement whereby SNC would pay half a billion dollars, a billion dollars uh, in fines, uh, but also commit to real structural changes within the company in exchange for uh, for not getting that criminal prosecution that criminal conviction, which could potentially lead to five thousand nine thousand jobs potentially leaving Canada. Well, how's um, how's Justin doing? You know, I, I think it's clear that he, that he is feeling a level of stress. Uh, I think we saw him, uh, you know, react in a way. To, uh, to a group of uh, indigenous protesters a couple of days ago that is really out of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for those of us who know the prime minister, that's com- completely out of character. He, he apologized within 24 hours, as he should have. Uh, but I think that's just a sign of, uh, you know, a bit of the stress uh, getting to him. He is a human being, after all. 
No, that's true. And uh, being human is why we voted uh, voted for the party and why I'm sure he has the leadership of the party. Um, shifting focuses a little bit. Um, we've legalized cannabis yep. in the country. And uh, it's large part due to the Liberal Party and, and the platform that they took. Um, how's H&K... How's H&K's business, yep. uh, advisory business? Um, how many cannabis companies are you seeing? Sure. Just talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so H&K Strategies is the, is the largest <clears throat> PR firm. Uh, or the lead, you know, among the largest, probably in the top two, definitely it switches year over year. Uh, PR firms in the world. In Canada, we we work in public relations, corporate communications, consumer marketing, and public affairs. And, and public affairs is essentially um, uh, communications campaigns and, and advocacy directed at government. Uh, so, you know, in terms of our cannabis practice. Uh, we've been working, uh, you know, in the medical cannabis space for about a decade now. The practice really started to to blow up uh, and expand rapidly after the release of the federal task force report on on recreational legalization in 2016. Uh, so since then, we've had I think over 50 individual mandates uh, and about five million dollars in total fees. Um, so for our company, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's a it's it's been a in in an era where you know not, uh, clients in the natural resources space mm-hmm. um, you know that type of activity has declined a little bit. It's it's helped cushion that blow for us uh, and and uh, and has been quite quite a lucrative business for us. Um, walk me through a little bit. So I'm X Y Z company. Yeah. Uh, I need some PR. I need some strategy. I need some help. Yeah. I call up Omar. How does how does it work? Yeah, so we get uh, we get calls uh, fr- from c- companies all over the 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 the, the broader cannabis uh, uh, space and industry. Um, so you know, sorry to interrupt. Is yeah. it just Canadian or U.S. or no? We work all- with companies in the U.S. Uh, we work with we actually work with a company out of Columbia right now. Oh, nice. Um, and, and sometimes they will call us up, and it'll be you know uh, uh, somebody looking to get their production license. Uh, and they will say, look, uh, can you just have some of your experts uh, review the license for us? You know, we have people who worked in the medical cannabis branch at Health Canada in the Office for Medical Cannabis. Uh, so they bring a certain level of expertise. So sometimes it's a simple review. Sometimes it's can you write it for us? Sometimes it's, look, we have this issue around pesticide control with Agriculture Canada. Can you help us with that? Uh, and more, more and more recently, uh, we're getting a lot of uh, inquiries uh, and, and business from LPs looking to really establish a unique uh, market presence. So, so we have a heavily regulated uh, marketing and advertising regime around. Yeah, around yeah we, 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 what the brown bag? <laughs> uh, no, so you really, you really have to. If, if you're looking to develop a niche market for yourself, you know, you're competing with about 200 LPs right now. Uh, you, you really have to think outside of the box. So we have a dedicated team within H and K um, uh, of, of marketing communications professionals uh, that you know pretty much just work on, on in, within the cannabis space uh, to help uh, LPs r- really figure out what their niche is and then develop it. I had the pleasure of attending your breakfast mm-hmm. seminar with the um, with the former president of the Ontario Cannabis Stores last summer. And one of the issues that came around was branding and um, just made a little joke about the brown paper bag and where that's going. And they said it would be 
more advisable to take it slow, um, see how the industry shapes up, and then start expanding those branding categories. Yeah. Some Canadian companies feel that U.S. companies have an advantage because you go to Las Vegas and you see, you see the band. flying orbs, uh, <laughs> flying the, orbs, the, the, orb the, show. the wrap around the taxis, um, yeah. you know, the wiggly tall guy on top of a building. Yeah. Um, there's, there's that. And then there's the brown bag. Um, do you think that does put Canadian companies at a disadvantage or? Well, so they're not at a disadvantage within the Canadian market because, of course, anyone operating within the Canadian market would have to follow those rules. And, and only Canadian uh, licensed producers are, are eligible to supply the recreational market uh, at this point. Uh, but look, I think, you know, from a government's perspective, uh, you know, they felt, the federal government felt, uh, that they had brought in the most significant public policy change in about a century in Canada, since really since the end of Prohibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was incumbent upon them to, to take it slow from a public health perspective, public health and a public safety perspective. So the, the, the you know the three driving forces that they that they kept talking about behind legalization was, you know, wasn't to make sure that, you know, the product is normalized. Quite the opposite. The, the, the federal government does not believe in normalization of use, okay. uh, but it was to protect kids. Um, you know, it was to, to, to take the business out, out of the hands of organized crime uh, and to be able to really fund uh, public education campaigns. So, you know, I think there was a lot of euphoria on legalization day. Um and a perception out there, perhaps, that the government was now open to promoting cannabis use. Uh, that that is not really the case. Now, uh, where do we want to get to? Um, so, where we probably, of all jurisdictions in the world that have legalized, we probably have the most restrictive uh, advertising and marketing rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, in the long run, is not sustainable if you are looking to crack down on the black market, uh, because what you what you need to be able to do. Uh, is allow legal brands to be able to differentiate themselves uh, and build market awareness um, uh, so that people choose to use them rather than going down the street and getting illicit product. Um, so do we need the flying orb shows and the you know what we see in Las Vegas? Probably not, but I think there's a happy middle ground uh, that we can get to within a couple of years that allows LPs to responsibly market to adults uh, in a way that uh, you know isn't as restrictive as it is today. Basically, today. Well, uh, everyone talks about the LCBO, and you well, you walk in and yeah, I mean, wine bottle's absolutely. a wine bottle. <laughs> and, and right now, if you're an LP, you know the only really the only paid advertising you can do uh, must be in a completely age gated environment. So I guess an R rated movie would work, or the bathroom of a bar would work. Uh, but it, but it, but it has to be educationally focused. Uh, you cannot promote a lifestyle. Uh, so I see some of these ads, and they're really you know borderline. And I've I, I've noticed you know a couple of weeks ago, uh, Health Canada actually sent a warning letter to every single LP in Ontario, uh, basically warning them about some of these marketing practices, like music festivals and right. whatnot. Well, they're gonna yeah, pu- they're gonna push the boundaries. They, they have advertising to. has to have an educational focus to it. Um, this leads to our next area. I'm just gonna say a number, and it's 25. <laughs> well, it's not going to be 25. I can guarantee you that. Uh, um, at least not I, by April 1st. Um, what's there's? I've been reading a lot about it. Um, the lottery system. Uh, you've been uh, quite vocal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that said we shouldn't have done it. Uh, this was wrong. And 
you have a different opinion, and uh, perhaps you can share that with us. Well, well, lo and behold, you know, the vice president of the Ontario Liberal Party is going to express some sympathy <laughs> for the Ford government. Um, you know, uh, once they made a decision that because of a supply shortage, they had to limit uh, the amount of stores as of April 1st to 25 or lower. Um, you know, let's leave aside the argument on whether or not there is a supply shortage. The federal government says there isn't. Most provinces say that there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they decided that it's going to be 25 or fewer, it's very hard. Uh, f- it would have been very difficult for them not to do a lottery system uh, because the the, num- the licenses were so highly sought after and there were so few of them that even a perception of favoritism um, is not something that would have been sustainable for the government. Now, uh, moving forward, you know, I think they need to move very quickly as the supply situation improves uh, to move back towards a merit-based application system um, and, and and an open licensing system. You know, one of the reasons we don't we're not going to have twenty five stores actually open on the first is because you know probably a third to half of those license winners really had no retail experience. No cannabis or no retail experience. So it's been tough for them to get up and running. Uh, well, the know, penalties the penalties seem quite punitive. If you don't open in the first week, it's, I think, 12 and a half yeah. grand. If you don't open by the end of the month, it's 50K. You lose your 50K yeah, deposit. Some of, these, some of these licenses are valued in the millions of dollars now, right? So right. Yeah, if you're going to lose, for sure, I, you know, I, I don't think anyone is on purpose trying to delay. But I think... Part of the reason that so many of these licensees have sought out partnership agreements uh, or, or, you know, uh, have have hired as consultants companies like Alcana or Fire and Flower who actually have experience in the retail space is because the winners just didn't have any experience. They didn't know what to do. Wow. Um, (laughs) How would you change? Would you change the process? Yeah, I I think it, it needs to once the supply situation uh, resolves itself, which it will in in, in a few months. Uh, it needs to move to a merit based selection process. Um, so what we had in the first round was essentially if you could pay the money, you didn't have a criminal record, uh, or you could you know if you couldn't pay the money, if you could produce like a letter of credit, uh, you're in. That's it. It didn't matter you know if you've run a store before, like none of that mattered. I think we need to move more to a system where we're selecting people who have expertise in the space. Uh, because at the end of the day, consumers will be better served uh, if they're if they're if they're buying product from people who know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if you're able to speak to this, but the Ontario cannabis stores, yeah. um, there's been a, a bit of a firestorm in the media, a lot of negative um, press with them. Uh, they have a huge task, like you said, that's it's, uh, changing an industry that's been not allowed or not around for a hundred years. Um, you know, they should hire you if they haven't already. <laughs> um, but what's, what's your insight? Do you have any insight into their operations? So, or? you know, uh, I do feel a certain amount of sympathy, uh, and here's why. Uh, so one, like I said, this is the biggest, you know, public policy change in a century in our country. Uh, and all provinces, Ontario included, only really had about two years to, to get ready for this. Uh, two, um, with the change of government came a complete change in terms of the role of the Ontario Cannabis Store. So initially they were supposed to be uh, you know, the monopoly provider of retail product uh, on a storefront level. 
uh, and now they're they're they've been essentially relegated uh, to online only. Apart from that, they've had uh, quite a significant uh, level of, of change in the, or turnover at the senior leadership uh, levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've had they've gone through uh, about uh, they've gone through a couple of presidents, uh, two or three presidents actually, and some some change at the at the senior VP level as well. Now that being said, if you go on their website uh, and you compare it to other online retail platforms like an Amazon, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a night and day uh, difference in terms of the customer experience. Right. Uh, so my recommendation to them would be uh, to really look at uh, other online platforms related to cannabis, like a Leafly, uh, and see what uh, type of partnership opportunities might be available there. Because at the end of the day, if the user experience isn't what people are expecting, uh, or used to, they're not going to gravitate to that channel. They're gonna they're gonna stick with their drug dealer. And speaking of drug dealers and uh, moving out of the black market, we want to we want to do that. And there's people that believe because of this delay and because there won't be 25 stores open um, because of the pricing at the Ontario cannabis stores that we are in fact pushing people back towards the black market. Um, which is something that we want to eradicate. Uh, how do you, what do you think about that? So I think uh, the the vast majority of new market entrants, so people who have been enticed into the market after legalization, uh, you know, are, are accessing the legal channel. I think a good number of uh, consumers uh, who perhaps are casual users have, have graduated to the legal channel. I think where... Uh, we have failed so far is to convince the the bulk of hardcore and frequent users or consumers, excuse me, uh, to switch. Uh, and that's going to be very hard to do when you have a website that looks like it was built in 1996 and you only have, you know, not even 25 stores. It's going to be like 15 stores April 1st right. uh, across a province of, you know, 14 million people. Um, so, I think as uh, like I said this is a this is an iterative process we have to we have to have some level of sympathy for the government uh you know in terms of wanting to take it slow but they can't take it too slow uh because if we really want to take this out of the hands of criminals uh we're going to have to make it accessible to Ontarians and to Canadians so my last part that I wanted to talk about was the outlook and going forward um, a lot of people are talking about edibles, mm-hmm. um, beverage-infused products, things of that nature. Um, where where are we in uh, with sure. that? So the uh, federal government had posted a uh, a discussion paper uh, where they outlined um, certain proposed regulatory changes uh, that would enable um, the the legalization of edibles, infused beverages, and extracts. Um, that uh, under the Cannabis Act, those regs have to be in place. Uh, I believe by Oct- October seventeenth, sixteenth, mm-hmm. or seventeenth, twenty nineteen. I suspect uh, they will be in place sooner than that. I would, I would actually suspect the government will want to get these done uh, over the course of the summer uh, to avoid uh, cannabis really being a hot political potato in the next federal election. Do you think they can uh, which do it? Will be in October. Do you think it can be done by the summer? I, I, I think it's possible. Okay. Uh, you know the. Uh, the, the discussion paper 
uh, was posted for a comment period of about 60 days. That is now closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many uh, comments, the, I don't know how many uh, um, uh, submissions they've received. Uh, you know, I think our company did about five or six of them for different okay. clients. Uh, they're going to review those, uh, but but I I suspect if I if I were betting man, I'd say we'll see some regs in place by the summer, by the end of the summer. Well, thank you very much, uh, Omar. Um, this has been another episode of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host Barrington Miller, and today's guest was Omar Khan from H and K. Hi, it's Grace from the CFC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com. Thank you.